For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Man, I'd like to compliment Cleveland, man. Um, they did what was required for victory, and you got to acknowledge that. Um, I thought they controlled the line of scrimmage, particularly in the second half. Um, if you can't slow down Chubb, man, you can't beat this group. And, and we kind of knew that, and we didn't get it done. And so we got to own, own the outcome, and we will. Um, and so there's not a lot really to talk about. We got to look at this tape and learn and, and get better and get better very fast. Well, you heard the words right from Mike himself, that being Mike Tomlin, the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And there's truth being spoken there. I mean, it's just plain truth. It's like a, a, a straight right hand to the nose. You know, it gets your attention, and you uh, pay attention after that. But the fact of the matter is, if you thought you can go into Cleveland and just, I don't know, shut down Nick Chubb, you're, you're just kidding yourself. Okay, I know Kareem Hunt is an excellent back, got a lot of respect for his game, but he's not Nick Chubb, and Nick Chubb is the guy and the thing that makes that Cleveland offense really go. It was a good job by Jacoby Brissett. They had some good throws and everything else to help in that in that offense that uh, went out there. But let me tell you something, man. When you watch the power that Nick Chubb runs with, and you watch that in live time up close, um, you begin to realize just how great of a performer this guy is. And, I'm, you know, that's not to take away – what the Steelers were doing in the first half. Because here's the thing about it. With Nick Chubb, and I'm joined here but today by Wes Euler because Max is uh, heading for L.A. He's got some business on the on the left coast over there. Real convenient. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, you know, he goes from – he. well, first of all, my man comes into Cleveland without a coat. Yeah, how about that? Okay. I'm sitting there going – Max, he goes, well, I go from here, I go to uh, Dallas, I go to, uh, I'm going to L.A., and I go, Max, I got one word for you, Cleveland. (laughs) (laughs) Hello. I said, in one moment, let me finish this. I'll say this, Wes. In one moment, he completely dispelled the notion that he's a smart guy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, he's always touting that Florida Gators education. I mean, apparently he missed the class where they told you to bring jackets to the the Midwest (laughs) for a night game. (laughs) Yeah, exactly so. So I loaned him my jacket, which was... It was almost Chris Farley-like because he's such a large man. But uh, anyhow, regardless, here's the thing about Nick Chubb. All right, you've got to try to minimize the damage, which the Steelers were able to do except for a couple of big plays in the first half when Chubb went 36 and Kareem Hunt went 18. And again, it's some of these running issues that just, if I had hair, I'd be pulling it out, but I don't. You know, so uh, the fact of the matter is um, – they were doing some good stuff. They were playing some of the three inside linebacker stuff when they'd take Malik Reed out, or they'd, they 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 had Robert Splain in there with Devin Bush and with Miles Jack. And by the way, Miles Jack, what a man! 
This guy here, he's yeah. gone over, what, t- double-digit tackles, West in the first three games not done since the days of uh, James Ferrier roaming the, the second level for the Steelers' defense? First time that a Steeler has done that since James Ferrier, and I tell you what, Wolf, anytime you're getting compared to that guy, that's always a good thing. Absolutely. You know, you got a lot of respect for James Ferrier, one of the, one of the all-time great players for the Steelers, and uh, certainly there was a nice job there, and – by golly, did you see Devin Bush come up and put – who was it, Kareem Hunt or was it Nick Chubb that he planted? I believe I, that was Hunt. Okay, most likely. I, I will tell you this, I was impressed. And to me, that's there's a lot of hope there because now this, this young man's been coming on and starting to show some of the sparkage, some of the promise, some of the attributes that they drafted him and they jumped up draft choices to pick this guy. I, I'm, I'm a little bit excited about Devin Bush. I thought, you know, I, I thought Devin played played pretty well. I thought Miles Jack played really well. You know, Wolf, it was it's unfortunate because it feels like, you know, we we've we've told this story before, we've seen this fish before. <laughs> but the you know, the defense did their job until they just couldn't really hold the dam anymore. Well, you, you know? Yes. Like they in the first half they did exactly what they needed to do. To start the second half, they were there as well too. But there was just that cumulative effect of, you know, Cleveland, I think, warmed down in the trenches a little bit. They obviously have the one-two punch of Chubb and Hunt. And with that, they're able to keep both of those guys fresh throughout the game. You know, it's not like you're just leaning on Nick Chubb. You're able to spell him and, and give him some real rest at times so that he can stay fresh, so that he can be that, you know, that that closer for you in the fourth quarter like he certainly was last night. Um, it's tough for the defense because they they did. They held serve for so long. But just early in that second half, you know, there was that that string of, I think it was three straight three and outs for the it Steelers was. offense, yes, I want to say. And it just felt like, again, that was the moment where that, that dam broke for the defense and they just couldn't hold any longer. Um, and that's, you know, that's, again, the, the I think the frustrating part is that we've, we've seen that story before where the defense has done enough, the defense has done enough, the defense has done enough, and they just don't get the, the support that they need. Um, they got in the first half. Not so much in the second half, and so you know, still kind of looking for that that sixty minute um, complimentary performance. Absolutely, you know, it's got to be a total package. Here's the thing about it: you try to minimize the damage that Nick Chubb can put on you, okay? But you also got to maximize your ability to go blow for blow through the championship rounds of the second half. You know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about? It's those three three and outs that just killed the Steelers' defense. Uh, kept him out there, tongue hanging on the ground. It's it's a pounding, and you got to understand when an offense can line up and and run the ball like that, they they snatch they try to snatch the heart out of the opposing defense. That's what they're doing, you know. And it's simply a case where you got to keep standing tall, but the offense has to come in and do their part. They've got to. We had a 14-13 lead in that first in the first half. Mm-hmm. Think about it. We outrushed the Fighting Chubs. In that first half, 88 to 79. You know what I mean? I mean, that was terrific. We saw the potential of this offense to start rolling. We saw the potential of this offensive line to be body body snatchers themselves. We saw the potential of, of what we saw in, in the Steelers saw Najee Harris to make him that first-round draft pick. 
That young man ran like a burning man, not an, not just an angry man, but a burning man. He that that stiff arm going for the touchdown. What was it yeah. in the first half there? That that beautiful five yard second run. quarter. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that was so nice, was it not, Wes? It was. That was violent. That was running downhill. That was everything that you know we had been wanting to see from Najee, and and he certainly, you know, through the first two weeks, I think we were. Um, wondering, all right, how you know how healthy is twenty two? Does he have some stuff that's lingering from training camp? Right, right. You know, what happened out there in Cincinnati? If you're you know if you're looking for some positives to to take from last night, I think it was that Najee Harris, you know, fifteen touches, fifteen carries uh, for him. I should say fifteen carries plus three receptions, so eighteen touches. Uh, he's not on any type of pitch count. He he looked like a guy who was healthy and ready to go. And then how about Jalen Warren as well too? Four Ooh. carries, thirty yards, and and obviously the the one big. Uh, play that what was that thirty six or seven yards or something. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, you know had, yeah that was remember. that was overturned uh, by the uh, ineligible band downfield. But if you're if you're looking again, if you're and I know a lot of Steelers fans probably aren't seeking comfort on this Friday morning. They're they're probably peeved and annoyed, right? But sure. if you're if you're looking for some things to build on, if you, if you're looking for some some positivity, um, I think you started to see what we've been wanting from from Najee Harris and Jalen Warren. Still, still more room there. I mean, you know, between those guys, they go for 86 yards. And you want to see that number be, you know, up closer to three bills, but but much better than what we've seen through the first two weeks, certainly. No question about it. Look, the difference is you got five possessions in the first half. They had no three and outs. In the second half, they had three straight three and outs. Yeah. And that that right there. This, Backbreaker. Here's the thing about it. You know, you – you watch Rocky. I love Rocky. You know, right? Rocky Balboa. You know, yo, Adrian. Yeah, yo, Adrian. You know, catch me. <laughs> I'm a fighter. Yeah. Right? People do because they want to do. All right. <laughs> yeah. Here's the thing about it. Right? Those are the championship rounds in the second half when you have a a team that can put the beat down on you like the Browns are capable. You got to match them in some way, shape, or form. You cannot let your defense be put out there three, three and outs and not be contributing in, in, in uh, field position and so forth. Because the Browns are, and what I was worried about was that they'd finish with about 40-some minutes of possession time because yeah. they are that good at being able to control the ball. And Jacoby Brissett, you know, whatever you want to say about him being he on his played well. team. Or yeah, he played well. He, he threw played the really ball well. well. You know, he did the things that he needed to do with his with his feet and did a good job. So you got a tip of the cap to him, or as Heinz Ward says, you got to sometimes you got to take your hat off and give it to him. Yeah, and you, you know, know, you know, Wolf, big big part of that too was was not only his overall performance, but I thought particularly in the first half. In the first half, he was he was accurate. He only had a couple incompletions. He had over 100 yards passing. He had right. two touchdown passes. Right. Right. So, at halftime, you you're not able to say, "All right, we can just we can just focus on the run. We got to shut down Chubb. We got to shut down Hunt, and and, and we're going to be all right." Because Jac- Jacoby Brissett was making plays. I mean, their their first their, their first two touchdowns, right, uh, were Jacoby Brissett touchdown passes. That that was a big. I think I don't want that to get lost in this either. No, uh, I mean, if Jacoby Brissett was out there playing like a you know a career backup, it would have been a lot easier to stack that box right and and just try and take away Nick Chubb. Right. Uh, Brissett made that uh, uh, not a not a real realistic possibility. Like I said, particularly with the way he performed in the first half, he was sharp. He was accurate. Um, and he was exactly what the Browns needed him to be last night. You know, that's a great point is is the fact of what he did in that first half. And he was, yeah, you couldn't simply just 
you know, put eight men in the box and then say, uh, go at it. Right. You know, I mean, the fact of the matter is Jacoby Brissett did some, uh, made some big-time throws there. They know that they've split the safeties a couple of times for a couple of touchdowns. And it was it's tough. I mean, you know, that you start creeping towards the line of scrimmage, you bring people up. You know, you want to attempt to stop the body blows because that's what you're getting when you got a, a, a Nick Chubb running like he was running downhill like he was last night. Right. So the fact is you got five possessions in the first half, which helps to mitigate the, the body blows. You know, here's the thing about it. You know, you go – I don't know if anybody that's boxed. You know, you go in there and you, you start off and you, you move and jab and all that stuff, but there comes a point in time where you get into the phone booth and you start slugging it out if you're a close-quarter combat guy, right? Mm-hmm. And you start going to the body. You start slowing it down that opponent. You start making your opponent having to tackle, you know, get their bodies up off the ground. And, you know, you, you can see the discouragement that comes over a defense, the hands on the hip, the heads hanging – people sucking wind, a little arguing in the huddle. Whenever you started to hear that, you knew things were, were happening over there that you wanted. All right? You're, right. you're starting to get the dauber down on that defense. Now you got to go ahead and finish with the coup de gras and, 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 and pound them. But but the Steelers, were, they just hung in there. There was only – and part of that is with your offense, right? But they only had three third downs in, in what, 30 plays – in that, in the five possessions yeah. of the first half, my goodness, that's a good job. If you're not good on on third downs, then by golly, you know, make sure you win on first and second. So there are no third downs. No, exactly. And you know, the Steelers they they did a good job of that at times. Um, had had the touchdown drive where they didn't face a single third down. Um, so again, I know you know on a, on a Friday when you lose to the Browns and you're sitting at one and two, nobody you know wants to seek comfort, but they're. There are a lot of positives, I, I think, to take from that performance. Maybe not a lot of positives, but there certainly are positives and certainly building areas uh, to go from, w- without a doubt. I, I think, you know, there's there's both sides of that equation. Uh, real quick for you, too, Wolf. 16, uh, Jacoby Brissett at halftime, yes. 16 of 22, 134 yards, two touchdowns. 118 passer rating at halftime for Jacoby Brissett. I'd I mean, say that that's, was pretty good. That's pretty, pretty, pretty good. <laughs> All right, but then, you know, we had our own man. I mean, Mitch Trubisky. Hey, Trubes came out there, and what, what a nice job. Nine of ten on his first ten throws. Nine of ten, right over 100 yards. Yep. Uh, I was impressed. You know, he's pushing the ball down the field. He was averaging in the first half 8.4 per throw. All right, that's way up from the 4-2, whatever it was, uh, last week against the Patriots, you know, I, I okay, I, I really liked the way uh, Matt Canada had him on the edge of the pocket and rollouts, and you know, it, it was like quick decision throwing, you know, being able to stack a couple of guys running uh, similar routes up one third of the field, making the throw, you know, an easy decision for for Trubisky. I said, you know, he used his legs at appropriate times, and you know, I I, I was fired. I thought Mitch Trubisky. Did a pretty darn good job. Now I didn't wasn't able to sustain it in the second half, and the whole offense didn't sustain it in the second half. It wasn't right. just Trubisky. Right. I mean, as as Trubisky goes, the offense goes. As the offense goes, Trubisky goes. I mean, it's just the way it is. It's all copacetic there. But the fact is, the young man came out and did some things that I thought, well, by golly, now this is why they brought him in here because he was solid in a lot of his throws, a lot of his decision-making. He can throw a better ball in some instances. But at the same time, you got to have some people making some plays for you. You know, Chase Claypool, uh, Deontay Johnson, that was a couple of big drops. 
in that second half. And yeah. the, the fact of the matter is both those guys are capable of big-time big play contributions and in those big moments uh, Mike Tomlin calls them the weighty moments you got to make the play you certainly do and that's you know that's where Cleveland got the best of the Steelers last night Wolf is in those moments like you said particularly in the second half when those are you know those are the championship rounds the Browns just made more plays than the Steelers did on offense on defense and um yeah it, it's tough it's tough to stomach I think especially because of the first half right um, you're having success on defense in the first half against the run. You're thinking, all right, we'll come out. Let's get some adjustments here at halftime. Let's slow down Brissett in this passing attack, and we're going to be all right. Y- you had, um, you know, a- a two, I thought, impressive touchdown drives there in the first half as well, too. And you're thinking, okay, the offense is finally starting to carve it out here a little bit. And you're seeing more from Najee, and you're seeing more from Jalen Warren. And, you know, Pickens makes that incredible one-handed catch. Uh Mitch Trubisky's look, looking more lively. He's mobile back there. He's making some guys miss on a few plays where it felt like the Browns had him, you know, dead and, and, and done in the backfield, and he's able to escape out of there and, and, you know, and hit Deontay Johnson for a 12 or 13-yard gain down the field. You were feeling really good at halftime. I think everyone, you know, had oh, that. Oh, man, yes. Everyone had that same kind of, okay, the offense is taking some steps forward. The defense is still proven that, hey, you know, maybe they're not going to get five turnovers and seven sacks every game without T.J. Watt, but that they can still be a really good defense and they can still carry this team. And then Cleveland, I mean, this is, you know, this is the other part where their coaches are paid millions of dollars. Their guys are, are professional athletes and in the National Football League as well, too. And, and and they had good adjustments at halftime, and they came out, and they and they were able to to win those championship rounds in the second half when it really mattered. So, you know, it's it's like your uh, it's like one of your wolfisms, right? Is the glass half full? Is the glass half empty? I don't know. We just got to drink it today, right? <laughs> yes. Um, but there are there's there's more than one way to skin this cat. And I, I always hate that. Why? Why do we have to? I'm not even a cat guy, Wolf. But why do we have to? Why do we have to skin the cat? What did the cat do? All right, we're not gonna skin the cat. Leave the cat alone. Um, but okay. you can. Now wait a minute. I did have a cat years ago that oh, used no. to drive me nuts. Oh and no! Skinning the cat was. It was a thought that crossed my mind a couple of times. <laughs> oh, I'm just saying, nothing happened to the cat, okay? So everybody knows that I, there, there's no problem with the cat. The cat died peacefully after a period of time, okay? So. What are you going to do then? All right? I mean, <laughs> we're okay. But I, I have to say, I'm just saying, full disclosure. Yeah, I've, I've, I've never had a cat. Always always came from a dog family myself. <laughs> uh, but there, there's, listen, again, glass half full, glass half empty. You got to drink it regardless. There's, there's good. There's bad. There's plenty to build on. Now you've got 10 days till you get to go back home. You get the J- uh, Jets team who, you know, Hey, they're they're not as jetty as they have been at times in the past. It appears, but they're you know they're you're also not uh, playing the Buffalo Bills or, or something like that. Um, let's see. I know a lot of people are, are smashing the panic button and and calling for changes here in the next ten days. No. Um, let's 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 see how they come out at home against the Jets because I think we all did say Wolf right that particularly for the offense, you got to give this group at least four weeks. That's something we were saying in training camp. I know you and Max were talking about it a lot with the offensive line. I think Max said six weeks for the offensive line. You know, you, you got to give this new offense, new direction under Matt Canada, a lot of new pieces, new quarterback, uh, at least four weeks. Well, we saw, you know, moments of it in week three. Now can you can you put it all together with a, with a long week, with some extra time to prepare and lick those wounds, can you put it all together against the Jets at home week four and give us one of those 60-minute performances? I am 
certainly more optimistic that that is a realistic possibility than I was before we kicked off last night in Cleveland. There's no question. I think that's a pretty good summary, Wes. You know, again, and and, and I know that people want to say, well, Craig, you're Pollyannish. No, I'm I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm I am practical. You know, this is the reality of it. When you're inside that four walls of the locker room, all right, it's you and the guys, all right, and you realize at that point in time, there's nobody that's <laughs> as 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 Chuck Knoll so nicely put it when we were in '89. We lost. We were 0 and 2 after the first two weeks, and uh, you know, and he said. Hey guys, we know what works. We got what works works, and we're going to continue. And it's about performance and about you guys solving the questions of why we're not performing because we already know what works. There's nobody coming in from the east to save you guys. All the questions to all the answers of all the problems you're experiencing right now are to be found within the four walls of the locker room. Now you guys got to help figure it out. We're going to put you in position to succeed, but you got to succeed. And that's the thing about it. And, you know, again, I know that there will be the people say, well, you're just, you know, trying to be positive. You have to be. Listen, you got to be practical and you got to be living in Realville, okay? But at the same time. Hold on, Realville? Yeah, you got to be real about it. Where's that located? Is that that (laughs) near Bridgeville? (laughs) Yeah, I'm in Bridgeville, Realville, whatever, you know. But you've got to. You got to understand the position the players are in, and you think about it, and okay, and you go, all right, you got to come back, and you got to reload, and you got to work out what didn't work, and what didn't work was the second half, and there's specifics that you can break down there, and you got to break down there, but then you got to move on because <laughs> the NFL waits for nobody. That's, all right? that's ain't that the truth? Uh, yes, indeed. Wes, why don't we uh, take a break here? And when we come back, we're going to start talking more about what we saw last night as the Steelers go down to the uh, Cleveland Brownies or the Fighting Chubbies. I don't know what you want to call them. (laughs) But uh, we'll be back after this. This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And they hand it off out of that set and they find a crack off the right side and that is Chubb. And he starts and puts it in high gear at the 35, the 30, the 25, the 20, the 15, the 10. Ah, he's about two yards short of the 10. Down at the 12-yard line by Terrell Edmonds. He found that crack off that right side of the Cleveland offensive line. You tell me. You know, um, he was running through arm tackles and things of that nature, getting yards after contact. It wasn't good enough. And that's exactly the point. You know, on, on numerous occasions, there was this kind of a hidden yardage where Chubb was being wrapped up by guys, but the dude has such good ham hock acceleration and drive, his four-wheel drive, he was dropping that baby down in in another gear, and he'd put another two, three yards on each and every to top off those runs. And, of course, he got the offensive lineman coming to his aid. But that that 34-yarder right there, I mean, that was – or 36-yarder, that was – it's kind of like they run a – it's a cross between – in my day and age, it was a cross between a flow 36 – and a 34 trap, depending on whether the end man on line came up the field or whether Big Joe Batonio, Joel Batonio, their multiple Pro Bowl guard, their sort of Alan Fanica. Yeah, the, uh, he, had, uh, a, he yes. had a good night. You know, he's out there rumbling. I mean, when you got a big hoss like that coming around the corner and you're Arthur Millette, you're Akella Witherspoon, 
you know, it's kind of like one of those moments where you're like, ooh, you know, <laughs> this is this is not going to end well. This is going to be painful in some way, shape, or form. But the big but Batonio came around. And by the way, the dude does look like a caveman. <laughs> you know, he's got that that beard and everything. Now he trimmed up the beard, but his you see normally he's got a beard like Brett Kiesel. You know, <laughs> the beard sort of thing. But he came around that corner, and when he does that, that's the same play virtually that uh, Chubb is 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 a run. Uh, I think it was last year, a couple years ago, that he broke one of those big ones. You know, the thing about it is, you've got to maintain your run gap discipline and take on some big body snatchers. And that offensive line of Cleveland Browns, no matter what you want to say, they're like a five across the board of, of they're like New York City uh, barroom uh, bouncers. Okay? Yeah, yeah. You know, they, they, they move people, and they take people out when they have to do that. Yes, they do. And, you know, that offensive line, Wolf, they have been built over a few years ha- here now to do exactly that. Um, they got a couple first-round picks on that offensive line. They've got a couple big-money free agents on that offensive line. And – you can, I mean, you can really tell that, that they've made that investment. I think especially, you know, when you look at what they've done through three weeks of the season on the ground, let's not kid ourselves either. It's Jacoby Brissett under center, right? And he had, a, he had a really solid game last night, good first half like we laid out at the right. start of the show. But everybody in the NFL, all other 31 teams, know that the Browns want to run the football, that that's how they're built, that they've got the offensive line, they've got Chubb, they've got Hunt, right? That that's how they want to play. And I think to me that's, you know, that's the mark of a really good unit is when people know what's coming, people know what you want to do, they know where you're trying to cut your teeth, they know where you hang your hat, and they still can't stop you. Or, you know, maybe they can slow you down for a period of time, but eventually you can lean on them, you can wear on them, and, uh, and you know, be able to, to, to lean on that run game as well too. It's, you know, that's what the Cleveland Browns have, have been building towards with that offensive line and that run game now, you know, for, for the last three or four years. And you've seen the, the fruits of that labor. You know, you look at our defense and you're talking about 23 tackles between Miles Jack and Devin Bush. You know, that's, that's a lot of hitting by the inside guys. That's a great job. You know, one of the things I was excited about was Devin Bush looking like Devin Bush uh, pre knee injury and some of the way he moved and the way he came up and he banged and was able to wrestle a couple guys to the ground and jump up. And Miles Jack is just, I mean, he is, that's the fact Jack with him. That's I mean, the fact Jack. <laughs> yeah. Army training, sir. Yes. You know, I appreciate the fact that you, you get into those old movies. Oh, it's one of my favorites. You know, Stripes was so good. We watch, I'll tell you this. We watched Stripes in 84 when it came out up at training camp. Probably Tunch and I saw that at least a half a dozen times in the summer up at up at St. Vincent because there's where are you going to go? I mean, you can't sit in the, <laughs> the dorm at night. There's no air conditioning. You're sitting on horsehair stuffed mattresses. There's no TV. There's nothing. You know, there's there's no uh, uh, internet. You know, no cell phones. So instead of going to a bar or something like that, you go to you go sit in a movie theater which had great air conditioning. I was just gonna say the air conditioning had to be key there. Oh, it was huge. And we'd go there, they'd they'd let us out, you know, sometimes we'd get out at like uh nine o'clock or eight thirty, you know. We'd run down to the theater and sit there and it doesn't even matter. I mean, you're just there to sit in the air conditioning. Right. Comfy chairs and yeah. air conditioning. Well, they, it wasn't back then. They just had the, well, the regular good chairs. Good point. You know, yeah, 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 they didn't have yeah, all that stuff point. now. Good but point. you know, the point is, you know, you, <laughs> 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 
Miles Jack was this guy, like we talked about earlier, three straight games in which he's gone double digit in, ta- in the tackling, right? That's appreciated. Again, harkens back to the days of yore with James Ferrier. And that is going to be something I think is going to lead on as this defense continues to grow because I think that, that Miles Jack is leading the way and showing um, just exactly what a good – what good linebacking looks like there. You you need that guy in the middle of the field, right? Yeah. Um and he is he's been everything that, that the Steelers thought that they were getting, everything advertised um in these first three weeks of the season. And I think a huge part of that, Wolf, is you know, we all know the Steelers uh, ever since that tragic injury to Ryan Shazier, mm. they have I mean there's been there's been a lot of bodies. It's been like a revolving door there at the middle linebacker position, right? Um I mean you you went from the Mark Barons and the John Bostics and, and, and Vince Williams for a while, and, and you traded up in the top ten to get Devin Bush. I'd still take Vince Williams. <laughs> I, uh, I tell you what, me too. Uh, you traded up in a, you know you traded up into the top ten to get Devin Bush. You traded for Joe Schobert. Like they yeah. they have they have as Mike Tomlin would say, left no stone unturned trying to find the answer in the middle of that defense there, and I think a huge difference maybe between Miles Jack and you know someone like Joe Schobert. Miles Jack, they identified him early in the process, got him early in free agency, and he was with the team throughout the entire offseason, right? Minicamp, exactly. minicamp, OTAs, all of training camp, all that stuff. Wasn't like Joe Schobert, where you, you know, you went out and you traded for him uh, a couple weeks before the season started last year, and he had to hop on a moving train to use another Tomlinism. Um, this guy, Miles Jack, he's been here since March. And I, I think that that's showing, you know, that, that he had the full gambit of offseason workouts. Um, he had all that time to work with with T.A. and with Brian Flores. And, and yeah, I mean, a- again, anytime – I know I said this at the start of the show, but anytime uh, you're a Steelers linebacker and you're being mentioned in the same vein as James Farrier, that's a good place to find yourself. It is a very good place to find yourself, you know. I, I Here's the thing that I like. I mean, I think Miles Jack has been – Great for Devin Bush. I think Devin's starting, you know, his his rise in play has been commensurate with watching Miles Jack come out and, and kind of lead the way. And it, it, maybe this is just something that he needed to get over that's that hump that you got to have when you've got to depend on that broken down joint that's now been rebuilt. But you remember what it was like when it wasn't functional. You know, I remember what it was like coming back from my knee injury. I remember what it was like to, like, you know, I remember my first practice back. Whenever somebody would fall around my leg or bump into it, I, I was constantly picking it off the ground like a cat on a hot tin roof, you know, because <laughs> it's a natural reflex to protect an injured body part. And if the rehab was not solid, and if you're a unicorn, look, you know, one of the things about Ryan Chazier, the man was a unicorn. Yeah. All right? He was un. Just amazing attributes. Well, how do you replace a unicorn? It's the same thing as a Hall of Fame quarterback, essentially. Yeah. You know, you're, you're not going to just find him walking down, you know, uh, Smith Street downtown. You, you know? mean or not a couple of them down there on East Carson? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, maybe we should check on the south side. Maybe they got some of them. But, you <laughs> no, know, I see I've seen a bunch of unicorns down there on Saturday <laughs> night. You know, nothing good happens after midnight down there. You well, know especially that. down there. Yes, exactly. But, you know, you got Devin Bush, who has, is the same thing. He's a unicorn. The physical attributes and being able to play ball like that. Well, it did. you know, you got issues last year. Okay. But I see a rise in play, and I'm excited by it. I know, again, a lot of people want to 
right now you're, you're feeling a little down in the dumps, it's okay to lick your wounds for 24 hours. But you got to come back and, and you got to start to reload. And one of the things about it is to identify some of the things that are going well for you and to maximize those and start bringing them up. And they can do this. I know what it's like to be in there when you have a couple of tough games and everybody wants to, you know, <laughs> in 89 when we lost uh, uh, 51 to nothing to Cleveland. Oh, jeez. 40, 42. Good to- thing they didn't have Twitter. <laughs> Good thing they didn't have Twitter back in that time. I tell you what, there. Let me tell you, it was all drive-through for the next couple of weeks after that. <laughs> you know, he just. But it's tough. There's nowhere to hide. There's nowhere to go. You know, you've got to take together. You got to get together and get the job done. And um, you know, I, th- I I like what I saw. This was a group that went in to Cleveland and fought their butts off for the first half so very well, and then they fell short in the championship rounds of the second half. But that. Let me tell you, if you can do it in the first half, you can do it in the second half. And I look forward to how these guys start to come out and and take that fighting spirit forward. And it's going to come down to each guy maximizing his play, maybe 1%, 2%. But you do that, and all of a sudden, you've got an overall production that rises very, very high. That's the fact, Jack! (laughs) There you go. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Again, I... I, I'm not naive, Wolf. I know we've got some listeners right now. Maybe a little naive. Okay, maybe, maybe I'm a maybe, little naive. Maybe a little, I don't know. Maybe a little naive. Yeah. But but I, I know we've I got some listeners. I still believe in Santa Claus. <laughs> what do you mean? You still believe in Santa? <laughs> you have to believe in He's real. What's there to believe in? <laughs> Easter Bunny, too. Um, I, I'm not naive enough to know that we've got some, some hardcore, some diehard, some bleed black and gold members of Steeler Nation who are listening to this right now that are, you know, pounding their desk and, oh, come on, Wolf, come on, Wes, this is unacceptable. You're seeking comfort. You're making excuses for these guys. It's it's week three, and I know, Wolf, football, right? This is what right. we do in football more than any other sport. There's only 17 games, so we diagnose everything. We break it all down. We watch the all-22. We watch the film from every angle. We lift up the hood of that car, and we do all the diagnostics, right, because there's one game a week, and there's only 17 games a year. It ain't like the Pirates where they lose a disappointing game and they're back at it the next night. It ain't like the Penguins where they have a bad effort on Tuesday, but they get a chance to get right on Friday. I, I understand the emotion and the passion. At the same time, too, it, it, it is only three games in a, in a brand new era with a lot of new moving parts on offense and on defense. And, you know, down T.J. Watt, the best defensive player, one of the best football players in the entire world. There's, there's some things that are moving in the right direction. You, you've just you've got to get it all to come together here at some point. And, 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 and obviously... If we're sitting here in week six and week seven, Wolf, and having these same conversations, we won't be pleased. But it, it's it's three games. You're not even a quarter through the season yet. You get to come back home on a long week now, and let's let's see what you can do here in the next ten days. All right. Well, let's go. We'll take a break. Let me let me just say, if it's been slim pickings early on, you know what? Last night, just maybe, just maybe, a star was born. We'll be back and talking about it right here on SNR. This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. 
Second down and four from the Pittsburgh 46. And this long pass. A great catch by rookie George Pickens inside the Browns 20 at the 18-yard line. What a play for the young man from Georgia. Indeed. And I think uh, the great Billy Hillgrove really captured the emotion of that moment. We've been waiting for that. We've been wanting to see that. We saw so much talent, so much promise in training camp in the preseason. There's so much there, and you're like, come on. We only got three targets through the first couple of games. You knew at some point in time that Matt Canada was going to have to get going here and and really highlight and and start to push the ball towards – Pickens trying to get him going. And that's what he has, the promise of the big catch. Now, also remember, because he's a young buck, you know, you got issues too. <laughs> you know, you got the situation where in the end zone he tipped the ball. And and I thought he could have pulled off. It was, in my mind, an easier catch than that one. I mean, this one was like an Odell Beckham Jr. That was. Uh, highlight reel I'm one. glad you said that because that was the first thing I thought too. Well, if it looked a lot like that OBJ catch. Wasn't it? I mean, you know. That was really an unbelievable hand-eye coordination. How you can get from a full sprint to laying out horizontal and reach back with your inside arm and catch that ball like that, I don't know. It just it blew me away. That was just – I was so excited because the promise of what the potential of this young man is to contribute to this offense. Because one of the things that has really been lacking in this offense are the explosive plays. Mm-hmm. You know, if you define an explosive play like 20 yards or more, all right – that 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 baby that was just so exciting, so picks you up when you're down there in the trenches and you're slugging it out, and then you stand in the huddle and you look at the the jumbotron. It shows that that great catch, man. It inspires you and it starts to make you, I don't know, uh, it's it, believe that you can pull this out, you right, know, right. because people are rising to the challenge in the most difficult of circumstances, and that was a difficult circumstance that you saw George Pickens find himself in. No doubt. Heck of a catch, heck of a moment, um, something to build on, I think, for sure. Uh, only, what, three targets to the first two games he That's had? what I believe, yes. And seven last night thrown his way. Um, it's 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 starting to, 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 uh, to come together, I think, for him and for Mitch and, and really, you know, Deontay in that conversation as well, too. There were more shots downfield, even more intermittent shots, right? Wolf, those those uh, you know, twelve to fifteen, sixteen yes. yard type type routes. There were more of those. Uh, a little bit more downfield. I, I think we'll see that continue to build here going into week four against the Jets. And, you know, we all, rightfully so. I mean, we were so high on George Pickens. And if you watched him in the preseason, if you were out at Latrobe at training camp at any point, I mean, he was Worth the price of admission, which is a little bit of an oxymoron, I guess, because it's free admission out there in Latrobe <laughs> on St. Vincent College for training camp. But George Pickens, I mean, I'm not over exaggerating when I say this. You know, you and I are spoiled, Wolf. We get the we get we're right there right. and watching practice on the sideline every single day during camp. He was he was worth making the drive out to Latrobe <laughs> for just to watch him practice. I mean, it, it really was impressive about every single day he had a couple, not one, but a couple wow moments. Even it, even with that, maybe we needed to tamper expectations right out of the gate a little bit. Um, but, you know, I think he's on that same kind of timeline as we saw Juju his rookie year. First few weeks of the season, you know, first month and a half of the season, he made a few plays, and then really about – Week six, week seven, week eight, 
it all started to slow down for him. He developed the chemistry with Ben Roethlisberger, and he really took off and had a great back half of his rookie season from there. I am, I am optimistic that we're, we're on that same kind of timeline here with Pickens. You know, as I said last night, I, I think a star was born on that catch because that speaks to the potential uh, of what this young man can contribute to this offense. Now, again, he would have cemented a legacy had he pulled that one off on the end zone Ooh. in the second half there because that was absolutely another great opportunity to add to what is turning out, what is looking like some really in high, highlight reel catches. That's what it is. I mean, it's it's like the, the pitch will be a human highlight reel all by himself is, yeah. is, is there. But, again, this is something that he's got to now be consistent and know what it's like to be a pro week in and week out with the same sort of effort and, and, and production. I You know, the other thing about it was at one point, didn't he get to – was it a pass interference? It was it was Pickens driving his man backwards, and he was doing a little rub rod, I think, with uh, Chase Claypool. They were, they were crossing, and he drilled his man backwards, and when Chase tried to break to the outside, he ran over the man that was guarding and, and, and you know, and man press was up on the, in the grill of George Pickens, you know? Mm-hmm. So he might have overdone it there a little bit. I mean, he physically came off the ball, and he punched his shoulders. Uh, I think it was it was uh, it might have been Emerson, the rookie, but I'm not sure. It's one of the corners there. Knocked him backwards, and then as Chase tried to make his break to the outside, he he actually Pickens actually threw that body in the way of, of of Chase Claypool, and they got called for pass interference there. Yeah. Oh man, that was good. I'm, it I'm was. Saying, it was. Hey, you know the physicality of this kid. Okay, now we got to make sure that you. You know, you, you marshal resources at the appropriate time. You know, you don't pop somebody, drive them back when your man to the inside of you is trying to run an out route and cross your face and you throw the, the body of the guy trying to cover you into the way of the guy trying to run the rub route with you. <laughs> so, <laughs> that makes sense, you know. Now, you got to understand, Wes and I have only – we're operating on a couple hours of sleep. Yeah, what all time right? – so, all right, hold on, hold on. Let's put it all on the table right now, all right, Mr. Wolf. What time did you get home last night? I don't even remember, you know. All I remember Uh-oh. was the dog were you ha- barking away. Were you half away. asleep behind the wheel? I mean, no, no, no. It's just I, you know, I it, it, it just like uh, just I, I faded the black once I got in, got in, got in my house, got in my home and in the bed. It was just like just fall asleep, man. It was two two thirty when I pulled into the driveway. About okay, I was after that. I know that I was after that, but uh, we're I gotta, somewhere around three ish. I, I would suppose. Can I can I uh, can I give a shout out to somebody real quick? Yeah, go right ahead. So our producer extraordinaire on the broadcasts. You know, I, I'm I'm in the booth now. I think as we've shared a couple times here, joking around with Max and Wolf. I engineer the whole thing, right? So I'm the one who's sitting there at the soundboard, You're the man, controlling yes. all the microphones and the levels and, and and all that stuff. Our producer is Dan Quinlan, who's who's on site with us as well too. He's the one who you know tells us when to go to break when we're coming back from break hands billy all the cue cards for the different reads and everything How that he has I to do i never get any of those you know i mean billy we need to get you, you, need to get you some food we, you're talking about brats <laughs> talking about brats in the booth last night we need to get yeah. you some some food reads out oh, there man. Wolf. you know one thing about it in cleveland you can smell the brats wafting oh, over i had one at halftime oh, i tell you man. what as advertised with that that special mustard that they do there too <sighs> what ketchup is to pittsburgh you know heinz ketchup that mustard there yeah, they just call it stadium mustard, and it is oh, it was fantastic. But so, uh, so Dan Quinlan, um, our uh, you know our producer extraordinaire, right. he 
has been this is his I believe twelfth year uh, being in the booth with the Steelers for for Dan. So he has been to all these stadiums, you know, especially in the AFC North, multiple times, dozen times. He's got it all down to a science, right? Wolf, he uh, when I tell you we left that stadium last night, probably. 40 minutes after the game, you know, by the time we got the booth all cleaned up and packed up and right. all of our equipment to the Steelers truck and everything and got to the car, it was probably 45 minutes or so after the game ended. We cruised right out. I mean, Dan knew exactly where to park. I was <laughs> I was, I was, was driving, and he was like, go this way, boom, boom, here. We're going to go under this overpass. We're going to come out. We're gonna... We got in the car, and we did not stop. Like, we we hit no traffic. Really? No nothing. We were, we were home and, and, and just a hair over two hours from the stadium because our, our guy Dan knew exactly where to park. So I was thinking it was probably going to be closer to 4 by the time that I got home, but, but we were home at 2.30 thanks to the – the savvy experience of Dan Quinlan. So big shout out to Mr. Q. Exactly so. Beautiful. Well, you know what? Stay tuned. All right? Stay tuned, folks, because we're going to keep breaking this down. I'm telling you. And by the way, if you really want to read something that really breaks it down for you, you got to read the great Bob Labriola yeah. on Steelers.com. I'm telling you, he dissects a game Better than uh, I don't know what. I mean, better than I can. <laughs> I can fillet a steak. Better than okay? a better than a, a biology teacher, right? With the starfish or the exactly, frog in, in class. Exactly. <laughs> oh, I used to hate when they do that. You know, when they got that frog and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah, me too. Yeah, leave yeah, leave yeah. the frogs alone here. Exactly. Right? Jeez, Louise. All right, we'll keep breaking it down. Stay tuned. Be with us here on SNR. <laughs> 